Good morning. If we've not met, my name is James. I'm the curate here. It's nice to see you all. Um, we're going to start by playing a game of the classic game of who's your favourite nativity character. Um, so, someone shout a nativity character. You're going to have to justify yourself, okay? So, shout out a character. I'm going to run up to you with a microphone. Um, actually, Noah, would you like to run around with a microphone? I don't think he wants to run around with a microphone. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> I forced you into it. Uh, yeah, who's got a favourite uh, nativity character? Someone shout something out, uh, oh, hand up or something. Oh, over there. Who's your favourite nativity character? Angel Gabriel. Oh, and why? Because I played the part four times. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, I like that, I like that. We had, we had a hand up over here. Oh, just wait for the mic. Joseph. And why Joseph? Because, um, um, he... Because he was um, nearly the main bit of it. Yeah, he was right in the centre, wasn't he? He was all involved. Okay, great. Any, any other names? Any other, any other characters that we particularly like in the nativity? Oh, yeah, go, yeah if you see a hand run, I, I'm, I'm fairly blind. This is just an excuse to get, get no uh, steps. The sheep. The sheep? <laughs> Why the uh, sheep? Because... Uh, Every single time, uh, besides two, maybe three actually, I played a nativity, I was a sheep. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of casting decisions going on here. Uh, yes, Emily's got a question. Uh, it's, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Noah. Got to be Mary. Mary, why is that? Because it's the most coveted part for a little girl oh, in the whole okay. nativity. Okay, wonderful. Uh, anybody else? Anybody else? No, that's all right. Okay, thank you, Noah. Come back. By any chance, Noah, have you got a favourite nativity character? No. No, that's all right. That's okay. <laughs> so right. I thought I'd put him on the spot. Um, well, that's brilliant. Um, I'm a bit surprised that nobody mentioned the dragon. What? The dragon? Just me? Well, we're going we're to hear a bit about this in a minute. Um, but there's a secret third nativity um, that we're going to be thinking about this morning. Um, and there's a dragon in it. And our woman that sort of sits above planets, it's all very wild. Um, so we're going we're gonna to watch a video about that in just a moment. Um, I have just realised, if you need the translator code, um, and the last couple of minutes has been horrible for you, um, you can use this code. If it's been horrible and you've understood what I've been saying, the code will not help you. <laughs> but if, if you'd like to hear this in um, a language of your choice that isn't English, you can use this code on the Microsoft app. Um, but we're now going to watch a video together and the things about this secret nativity. You might have heard of the nativity story told by Jesus' apostles Matthew and Luke in their Gospels. The story of Joseph and Mary, the birth of Jesus, the visit of the three wise men and the shepherds. Well, there's a third nativity story in the New Testament. But it's a bit weird. You see, John also has a nativity story, but it's not in his Gospel. No, towards the end of his life, John was given a vision by Jesus of what was going on under the surface of history. And one of the things Jesus showed John was the big picture of his birth. Here it is, Revelation chapter 12. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. 
the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Well, that's a pretty mad picture. But what does this all mean? First, who's the woman? And where are Joseph, Mary and the others? This is a nativity, right? Well, the woman, in a way, is Joseph and Mary and the shepherds. Or, to be more accurate, the woman is the whole nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And why is she pregnant? Well, for a thousand years, Israel had been waiting for the arrival of God's promised king, the Messiah, to rescue them from sin and from suffering. But this king wouldn't come from outside Israel to save them. Now, he was going to come from within Israel to be part of the people of Israel. And so, in a way, the whole of Israel was waiting to give birth to God's promised king. And so they did. Israel gave birth to a baby. The one who was promised in Psalm 2, verse 9, which tells us he will rule the nations with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like pottery. This is the long-promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. But John's vision is very short. As soon as Jesus is born, he goes up to the Father in heaven. 30 years of life in an instant. So that's Mary, Joseph, the shepherds and Jesus, of course. That's the whole gang, right? So who's the dragon? Well, Revelation 12 tells us that the dragon is the devil, Satan himself. Revelation 12 verse 9 begins like this. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. And verse 10 tells us, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. So the dragon is Satan. And what does he do? He leads the world astray and accuses us of our sins to God. Satan is like a scaly lawyer in a courtroom, listing all the things you've ever done wrong for the judge and the jury to hear. But that's not all we're told about Satan. Did you catch that those two readings said he'd been hurled, he'd been thrown down? The accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, John's vision is about Satan being beaten in battle, defeated and thrown out of the heavenly courts by the blood of the Lamb. You see, God promised that he would send his king... And that the king would come and be sacrificed like a lamb. That means he'd die to pay the price for our sins. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. And the result is that Satan is thrown from God's courtroom. His proof of our sins no longer has power or authority before God. There we are. That's a bit different, isn't it, to the the classic nativity story that we hear. And it might be a bit hard to imagine all of this, but thankfully, I have enlisted a crack team of legal experts to come and help me just to make sense of this picture of Satan being kicked out 
of the heavenly courtroom. And so um, any moment now is going to appear God, the judge, presiding over this heavenly courtroom uh, in which uh, we're all on trial. Um, so God is the judge. He's, he's in, the, he's in the, uh, the place where the judge stands. And the prosecutor is Satan himself. Will is not Satan, but he is, he's playing a role for us today. Thank you, Will. So we've got the judge, we've got Satan. And the prosecutor is trying to bring enough evidence for God to, to bring a guilty verdict and to sentence the criminal to death. But the bad news is we're all in the dock. All of you here are, are the guy in orange waiting for the decision to be passed. Now, Your Honour, she said that one thing about someone that one time, remember? And you told your gran that you liked her crumble, but you didn't really, did you? And, well... You, you didn't return that library book, did you? You're going to have to pay the fine for that. And you, well, you said something about her behind her back. Right, justice must be done. Crimes, they must be punished. And so, I sentence you to death. That's not good news. You're welcome. But how does this play out in the light of Jesus' sacrifice? Now, Your Honour, he cheated on his test in his GCSEs. He's been using ChatGPT recently as well. And you've been talking back to your parents, haven't you, Noah? And you're still squabbling with your siblings, aren't you, Rupert? And, and well, well, you've already lied this morning, haven't you? Well, once again, justice must be done. Crimes must be punished. And they have, by the blood of the Lamb. Now, he stole more than one lollipop from the complimentary bowl in the hotel lobby when he was on holiday last year in the reception area. (laughs) And you stole all the biscuits from the church church extension last week. That's why there was none when I got there. (laughs) And you ran over your neighbour's cat last week and you didn't tell your neighbour. This is a guilty man, Your Honour. This is enough... Justice must be done, crimes must be punished, and these crimes also have been punished through the blood of the Lamb. There we are. Case dismissed. I I want to warn you, we we didn't give Will any information. He just knows these things, okay? (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, He's done some very good investigation. (laughs) Um, But no matter what the accuser brings up, With the blood of the Lamb, with Jesus' sacrifice, God forgives everybody who is trusting in Jesus' death for them and not in their own goodness. 
This is the, the backstory. This is what's behind the scenes of that nativity tale that we, that we, we remember, the, the accounts that Matthew and that Luke give us. Behind the scenes is this, that the accuser is being beaten and what does all of this mean for us today? Um, our crack team of lawyers can go and um, deal with other cases if they feel so inclined. Um, just don't want to leave them up there. Um, what does this mean for us today? It means that Satan can throw as much proof of our sins as he likes at us. But for those trusting in Jesus, God's king, we can know that God will forgive us. Satan will keep trying to accuse us at Christmas time and right the way throughout the year. A little voice inside says, oh, you, you know that if somebody knew that thing about you, they'd want nothing to do with you. Or, well, that, that particular thing you did yesterday, that's unforgivable. He will keep trying to accuse us, to make us hide from God. Now, our sin should make us sad for not living in the way that pleases our creator. But as those trusting in Jesus... Our sadness at sin doesn't mean we need to hide. Remember, God sent his son to die so that we could live, so that he could forgive us. So we let that voice, we let that sadness remind us that God has forgiven us. And we say sorry to him and know that we are forgiven. That is what... The big picture of Revelation 12, the, the secret, the third nativity, is, is telling us this Christmas time. That as we remember um, that nativity story, which feels so familiar, um, with the characters that we love so much, or that we secretly wish we could have played back in the day, we remember that there's more going on behind the scenes. We remember that there's a, a battle against Satan. That has been won so that you no longer stand accused, but rather are forgiven and know that you are loved by God the Savior. Let's pray now and then we will continue um, our service. Father, we thank you that you sent your son so that he could die to stop the one who accuses from accusing us anymore so that we wouldn't have to die. We ask, Father, that you would help us to be a people who know your forgiveness, who love that you have come to save us, and who are no longer afraid of Satan's accusations, but rather run to you knowing we are not perfect, but knowing that we are forgiven and being transformed more into Jesus' likeness. Amen.